Hey folks, if you've seen any of the great merch we have lately, we've got Witch Police shirts, we've got bags, we've got more gear on the way. That's all made by our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Whether it's screen printing or embroidery, heat press vinyl or graphic design, Divine Shirts is the place to go for your band merch. They've been doing some of the best stuff from the best bands in Winnipeg and beyond. And if you're looking to get some merch made, head over to divineshirtcompany.ca or follow them on Instagram and tell them which Police Radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I am uh, recording from the comfort of a pantry. Uh, I'm on the internet, and I'm with a guest on the show that, you know, I think that whenever I ask uh, people who they'd like to hear on the podcast, um, usually I'm getting a lot of new bands, a lot of bands that I've never heard of, artists that, you know, have just come out and maybe haven't been on my radar yet. But I often get recommendations of artists who have been around for a while and have been kind of, you know, very uh, important members of the local music scene for a long time that I just haven't, for whatever reason, connected with. And the guest on this episode, I I feel like you're one of those. And I think that the best way to even start this off at all is just if you want to introduce yourself and give a bit of background about where you come from musically, because you've been around for quite some time. You have a lot of releases out. You've gone through a lot of sounds sort of over that period. And I'm just sort of wondering how you define what it is that you do. Uh, in your own words. Well, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really grateful to be here, Sam. Thanks for inviting me. And, uh, I'm a fan of, of which police radio. So cool. it's, it's cool. It's cool to be on, on the podcast with you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've been playing in, in Winnipeg playing music now since 1994 yeah. and, um, long time. Uh, my first band was a band called the apartments. We, we were around for a couple of years, put out a cassette and, sold a ton of cassettes with that band it was um, just something we did in my brother's attic <laughs> and it's it's really embarrassing to listen back to now <laughs> some of some of it some of it's okay but um yeah and then i i went i went solo one of the things for me is that i'm i'm super driven i know like you you doing two podcasts a week are kind of similar sometimes <laughs> you get something in, in your veins and you can't help but keep doing it and i uh, felt like that right off the bat with music i just became obsessed with playing and it's one of those things in my life that's it never it never i mean it, it's a you you give a lot but it gives so much back like yeah. it's such a gift to have that for me and i um i found that out right away so i just went solo and i i've been doing that ever since you know i have had a lot of backing bands over the years and um i've been in a couple other projects i uh i collaborated quite a bit with you know some of the peanuts and corn guys mm-hmm. like like pip skid pip skid and, and and rod rod crooks in particular and um I had a band called Nova for a while with uh, two friends of mine. Um, but yeah, mostly uh, it's just been been me and, and the last 10 years really with this guy named Rob Gardner, who's a local uh, Charles Wood raised drummer. And uh, he and I have been playing either as the Greg McPherson band or as a band called Figure Walking for the last couple right. of albums. And uh, yeah, that brings me to now. So that's that's my uh, my musical 
production in, in a nutshell. And then there's a lot, and there's a lot there, obviously. And I don't want to do, you know, I'm sure you've done these before. Where people have talked about kind of your whole career from start to finish in different interviews. And I don't necessarily want to do that, but I think that like just to for context for me, the way that I sort of first heard of you was, I guess, when you were putting out records on G7 Welcoming Committee, because you know I was and am a big Propaganda fan. Uh, I'm a fan of a ton of bands in that label, and so everything that came out, it was sort of a sign of like, oh, this is something I probably want to hear. And you were also playing a lot of shows with some of those artists uh, at the time, so I jumped in there. And then I uh, knew of you and I knew you were making records and I didn't necessarily hear a lot until more recently. I think I came in again and really started listening around um, Disintegration Blues. So there's a big gap there of stuff that I I have had to go back and uh, sort of, you know, catch up on. But I hate asking this question because everyone hates answering it. But how do you define what you do? I mean, you're a singer songwriter, obviously. But I mean, I think that 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 label, often people assume that it's, um, they associate it with folk music, basically. They associate it with an acoustic, very mellow, very uh, confessional kind of songwriting. And I think what you do is is, is something very different than that. Do you have kind of an easy Coles Notes way of of defining what you do? Uh, You know, I don't really. And that's probably a, that's probably a reason why I'm, I'm maybe not as, uh, as widely known. It's because I've always really gravitated towards edgier music mm-hmm. um but i've also always just had a financial limitation and i i've stuck with what i could afford to do really <laughs> and i uh i've maybe shortchanged myself sometimes but i have no re- no regrets about it. i think that um the, the way i've always approached music is just that it's uh like i i'm compelled to do it i always think my next album is going to be my best album and um yeah, and I'm always trying to learn to play the guitar and learn how to sing as I go along. Like okay. I, I really always fought my hands and 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 like over overestimated my voice from the get go. <laughs> so it's been uh, just a process, you know. It's like I uh, I always think about music like um, in in a way that you know it's only ever positive for me. Like it doesn't. Yeah. There's never you can't you can't make music and it, it even if the music kind of sucks it's not a bad thing it's always a good thing to do and so for me it's been like that right from the outset that's just always been a gift so I don't know yeah it's hard for me to really define like in terms of a genre or, mm. or a style because I think like this is sort of something I'm kind of proud of actually is you know in the in the in the mid to late nineties I was really involved a lot with you know, I guess like singer songwriter, folk style, folk style music, um, Christine fellows, yeah. uh, Carrie, Carrie Latimer, um, you know, the band called special fancy. I played a lot with them. Um, Luke Doucette, you know, and then I got into playing with, with Steve Bates, who is like this legendary kind of Winnipeg punk rock guy who now lives in, in, in Saskatoon actually. But, Steve had a label that called Sister Records that okay. he put yeah. out albums by a band from Atlantis, and he was in a band called Bulletproof Nothing for a long time. I have those, I have those, those albums. The Bullet, those are great albums. Those, oh, yeah. Amazing, yeah, yeah. And Steve's, yeah, Steve's just this incredible force. Like he's an he's an extraordinary artist. He he goes under the name Dim Coast a lot now. Okay, and his impact on on how I've thought about music really, it just shifted gears for me. And and since that time. I've really kind of tried to learn, like, I grew up listening to loud music and rock music and, you know, the clash and, and yeah. weird, weird stuff that, that uh, it's not actually weird, but 
just maybe not quite as mainstream. And, and I didn't know how to play it. I had no frame of reference. I didn't have an older brother or a cousin who knew how to play this stuff or knew where to get good music. So I just, you know, found what I could. But when I, when I met Steve, like he introduced me to Wire and to Suicide and, you know, the X and all these important bands that Silkworm, like probably right. the most important, biggest influence on me in the last 20 years musically um, as a band. And um, yeah, since then, I've really just been been pushing myself to play music that sounds more like the stuff that I really love to listen to. You know, well, that's interesting. Those those bands you name because they're all they're all sort of like aesthetically punk rock, but not necessarily sonically punk rock. Like they they, they all take that kind of idea and do something very different with it. Which I guess you could say you do as well, right? In the in the sense of being a singer songwriter, who's like that stuff clearly comes through, even if it's not like a, an obvious influence, right? Yeah, it's weird. I hate to admit this, but like I I sometimes think that I'm kind of a weird hybrid between you know, some, something like those, those bands and someone like Paul Simon, Okay, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, um, I grew up loving, you know, uh, Paul Simon was a huge influence as a kid. Like, um, that was one album that my, my dad had, uh, one trick pony kicking okay. around the house. And then, and then Graceland came out and it was so huge. And my brothers got really into it. And then rhythm of the saints came out and that's just kind of a masterpiece album. And so, yeah, I, I I always listen to those singer-songwriters, Leonard Cohen, Gordon Lightfoot, sure. you know, the Canadians, and uh, Joni Mitchell. And, and then I got into this punk rock music. So it, I am a bit of a weird hybrid between between those styles. And then I got stuck with G7, which was a total gift in, in so many ways, but also a really weird fit. Yeah. And I ended up I ended up getting pushed in front of audiences that wanted to hear hardcore music. I was at some of know. those shows, yeah. <laughs> As somebody yeah. wanted to do the hardcore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, you know, at that time I'm probably, you know, 28 years old and, and, uh, really physical, you know? And yeah. I, so I really, I loved that experience. There were so many terrifying shows that I, <laughs> I stepped out in front of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of propaganda fans and had to by myself, like yeah. try not to get embarrassed or get, get beat up, you know? <laughs> And I remember one time, a great example of this, there's a couple, but one that I flew to California. These guys had me come down to California to play this sync with Cali fest. And I had no, I had no, I knew nothing about this and my internet sucked. So I didn't really have a chance to research it much. Yeah. I went to California and I, I flew into Los Angeles and I rented this little car and I drove down to, to where those guys told me to go in San Pedro. And it was, I walked into this like, big gymnasium on the docks like down by the water and uh, there's just a huge circle pit like a massive the whole room was just people <laughs> flailing and dancing and, and fighting and like really loud and the whole the whole festival was like that yeah and i was one of the headliners of the festival <laughs> because i was on g7 and so and i was playing solo right so i played second last on the on the last night and um it was that was wild like playing and i just went to a place in my brain that i didn't know existed or maybe i didn't want to know it existed and i played a show that i i really feel good about but i guess that's just you know there's a long answer to your question that like i've always just sort of tried to be a bit of a, a chameleon yeah and and to figure figure myself out and i don't i don't love the idea of just uh some people just have a real clear vision that they want to sound a very specific way and they just, they get there. 
Yeah. And I've always really enjoyed just kind of leaving it up up in the air a bit more and kind of enjoying how each album ends up sounding. Okay.
Well, it's, it's interesting too, because I think that, um, you know, both the, the punk stuff and the hardcore stuff, I mean, a lot of that, uh, lyrically anyway, it's very earnest, but it's very earnest about, um, about politics really, right. Uh, about whether it's personal politics or, you know, politics writ large. And then, a lot of the songwriter stuff is very earnest as well, but more talking about personal stories or, or telling someone else's story. So th- there's a connection, even if they sound drastically different. So I can see why, you know, those hundreds of people in the circle pit could latch onto what you're doing. Um, even if it's, you know, on the surface seems very different from what they're used to and what they're expecting at a show like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the, that was definitely the uh, connection with G7 was just that we lived in a similar way. Like we knew each other from our community. Right. Yeah. And um, I knew, I knew Derek a little bit or, or Jord and um, it was just a more of an, uh, more of an organic uh, connection with that label. And I, you know, I found that for the most part, especially early on, that was very much the case where I could play a lot of those shows and, and really make good connections with people. Yeah. Um, I have to say, like, as I got older, uh, things, things felt like they morphed a little bit in some way too. And I don't want to sound critical of it, but you know, sometimes the quote unquote kind of punk rock scene can be very conservative sure, and, and kind of, and, and kind of uniform, right? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of convention there that you, you have to live and be part of. If, and if you, if you deviate, which I do, yeah. right. I'm not quite, I'm not quite, I don't quite fit the, the mold. Then you hear, you hear about it a lot. And <laughs> yeah, as yeah. Social, media, social media kicked off. I started to hear a lot more about how I didn't, I didn't live up to the ethos of, of hardcore and, and straight edge and whatever else. So I've like, I've stepped kind of a bit further away from that. And um, I still think that the, the wheel inside of a wheel and, and the creativity of early punk rock and like the whole idea of, of radical politics and, yeah. and what's possible. It's all worth a lot of attention and people should, should kind of, you know, um, take it for what it is. But in terms of music, it's, it can be, it can be kind of a bit of a limit. So I try not to think of myself as as, a, as much of a hardcore act as I maybe did for a little while there. Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting. I think that you've had an interesting career in that, like, you seem, I mean, you seem very Winnipeg. You seem very um, independent. I mean, you have your own label. You, you've been on all these indie labels throughout the years. But then you also kind of get these occasional sort of um, bits of recognition. Like, you've been on, you know, a, a few Polaris uh, long lists and things like that. And, and, like, every once in a while, you put something out and you see it getting kind of you know, big Canadian music industry buzz. But then you seem very much like a, an indie artist, like at your core, right? So what has that sort of been like, like getting these occasional sort of uh, boosts every few years and then going back to just being the guy playing shows, you know, and touring and, and, and putting out your, your music just kind of hand to hand? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You know. Part of me, part of me, kind of goes back and forth on this one. But I, I, I hear a lot of hockey players talk about how they they try not to get too high or get too low. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But then I also think like hockey players are really boring, and they should probably be a little more interesting to listen to sometimes. So I don't want to come off and just try to sound like, oh yeah, well you know, I'm. I listened to I listened to one of your conversations with Pip Skid recently. Okay. He's a close, close friend of mine, and. I think he and I approached this in a very similar way where like we really, we really don't enjoy a lot of the kind of promotional aspects of putting out music. We don't, we don't gravitate towards that as the thing that we're excited about. Right. I know a lot of people who can't write songs at all, but they're masters at promoting. And, sure. and so 
you know, their music's awful or just not <laughs> not really listenable, but they're, you know, they're out in front of, of a lot of people all the time because they're, they're good at that stuff. So I'm not that good at that at all. I'm probably a step up from, from Pat, um, which isn't saying a ton, right. but uh, yeah, I, I, I do enjoy those moments when, you know, you want people, you don't put music into the world and not, and hope people, no one hears it, but you want people to hear it. So when, when it happens, I'm always grateful for it and excited about it. But then at the same time though, I'm level-headed and I really, I don't, I don't do this for, for that. You yeah. know, it's not my, it's not my um, number one uh, objective is to get, get positive feedback. It's, it's always nice, but yeah, I, I keep doing it cause I, I have to. And I think again, like I know for a fact, the next album I'm, a, I'm about to make is by far the best album I've I've put out. Like it's going to be really really good. I'm exci- really excited about it. And um, it's cool I you already know that, s- and you haven't even made it yet. Like I like I like that attitude that it's going to be the best yeah, one. No. Yeah, I've been practicing the songs. I, it's a it's going to be a solo album, and uh, I uh, I, mean, I think Rob will be on it a little bit oh, too. Cool. Uh, but it's uh it's a bunch of songs that I've been kind of holding on to and haven't put on albums for years because they didn't really fit and I didn't want them just to get lost on a on kind of more of a rock esque album. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. I think that and I have a feeling too that it'll probably be probably be well received because it's not gonna be quite as challenging, you know? It's not as uh sometimes me and Rob we gravitate towards a lot of physicality and, and sure. loud and abrasiveness and guitars and stuff. And, and I think this will be a little bit more palatable for, for more people. So anyway, that's, yeah, I'm the king of long answers. Eh, no, no, the long, the long answers are great.
but is, <laughs> is that is that sort of the reaction you had to the most recent stuff that that it was sort of not as palatable to some listeners it was more kind of uh out there well i'll be honest it was since i since i i kind of uh stepped away from that singer songwritery world yeah which i don't which i don't really uh that's not really my world uh but I've had a lot of people who were really frustrated with me because they thought my music didn't sound the way they thought it would or, or hoped it would. And uh, I hear it from a lot of people that I, that I love and care about who are, I guess, fans of my music, but you know, they really love my first album or my cassette that I put out in 1997. Yeah. Right? And it's just the way it is like that. I think a lot of us, like I love some of the early silkworm albums more than i love the latter stuff like it's just is you, you gravitate towards the stuff you you kind of were introduced to but um i do i do believe though too that some of the albums i've put out in the last few years have been you know pretty pretty rocking and yeah and not not really for everybody so i don't know I, but but rob and i made what we what, what we made because that's who we are and that's what we were doing at the time so yeah it's interesting that you're turning up the volume like the older you get you usually it's the other way around, right? You're making the punk records when you're 18, and then now you're you're kind of doing the the, the slow acoustic thing. But you're you got the opposite trajectory, which is kind of cool. Yeah, this album too. I was thinking about that actually, and like one of the things with with Rob and I is that we do we like Rob hits really hard, and he and I kind of push each other with with our volume, and and um, I've been writing these songs that are, are higher and higher in the in pitch, like okay. they're the key is it's just a, it's becoming a, a, too hard for me to, I, I bought a baritone guitar a few years, you know, 15 years ago, but I've really been like uh, tuning all my guitars down half a step at a time for the last few years now. <laughs> so I could actually keep singing the songs. So one of the things I'm looking forward to with this soul album is just being able to, to sing without, without, you know, yelling and, yeah. and going into a range that's uncomfortable. Cause, uh, that's often what happens when you're playing with blisteringly loud music. You want to be heard. You have to actually cut through it. So, yeah, that's that's a um, a consequence of, of playing with a, a muscle man. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you seem like the kind of guy, too, where, I mean, based on your, your previous records, where the lyrics are important and you want people to understand what's being said in the songs, too, right? So you, you want to be able to find a way to get above all that noise and also make it understandable. Yeah, I, I when you know, I first started playing music, like like I said, I, I kind of came out of you know I grew up listening to all these songwriters, so I was always pretty focused on lyrics being important. But I got I got really lucky, and I started playing in this band with a guy named Dan Martins and another guy named uh, uh, Jared Ozik, uh, both at a Transcona at the time. We were both you know the three of us were all about twenty, okay. and uh, they were both like really i think very talented songwriters jared in particular is just this he's world class like he's written some songs that are as good as any song like just such incredible uh uh lyrics and and arrangements and musicianship and um anyway uh get being in a band with them right off the bat like that was a great uh springboard for me because it it reinforced how important lyrics are and storytelling and and you know dan always said that you can't have a good song with bad lyrics, but you can have, you know, um, great music and, and oh, how do what, what was the, that the other way around? I think, yeah, I know, yeah. I know what you're trying to say for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's been a long time, but that was a good, that was a good kind of uh, seasoning at that time for me to have that. And, and yeah, I, I really believe it. It's, it's true. 
Is that interest in in lyrics? Is that part of what kind of uh, makes you have a connection with some of these hip hop guys? Someone like Pipskid. I mean, obviously, lyrics are extremely important to him and Rob Crooks and all these other guys. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, Pip in particular for me is just someone that I always had a kinship with. Like, he and I have been really on the same, like, state at the same stage for, okay. for such a long time, right? We're, we're both, I think we both have a similar number of albums out. <laughs> uh, we've both been playing since the mid-90s. I remember going to this festival, um, I forget the name of it, but it was out at Assiniboine Downs. And I watched, I think it was Roddy or, or Tyler from Farm Fresh, Farm Fresh throw, throw their cassette over the fence to Martin Tielli from the Rio Statics. Oh, is that how and, that, that famous incident where they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was standing there and I saw it happen and I was like, ah, oh, damn it, I wish I brought my cassette, you know? <laughs> and, they, and the next thing you know, they had this great collaboration yeah. with the Rio Statics. Yeah. So, so there's been this sort of parallel kind of, uh, of move, movement between between pat and i for sure and i think a lot of mutual respect like he he's always been someone that i've really appreciated and and um and valued and i think i hope that he would say that too about me and we've uh, we've gotten lucky enough to play together quite a bit but um yeah pat's i i think that's his lyrics too are are really um that's his calling card like his sure. humor his his anger and his humor, uh, the balance between that, it's always, it's always a ledger. Like it's sometimes it's so much anger. It's almost overwhelming, but sometimes he's just so hilarious. It's yeah. almost hard to take him seriously, you know, like some of the songs and, and I love it. I love him so much. And I think that he's a talent and an, and an artist that is criminally under, underheard. Like he's somebody who stands up in my mind with, you know, like uh Sleaford mods, like, he's been doing kind of a Sleaford mods of, of Manitoba for 20 years, you know? And, um, yeah, I, I, I love those guys. I think Rod, Rob Crooks too is, is somebody who's got enormous talent and, and it's very ideological, very thoughtful, very, con- very, uh, considerate writer and, yeah. and uh, a, lot of, a lot of fun that way too. Like I like, I like it when you ever listen to, to Rob or, uh, Pat, it's like listening to a newscast, yeah, you know, yeah. like a, a local newscast, which is, is that's how it should be. Like, I, I always wonder why people from here write like they're living in Texas, you know? Yeah, it's really strange, it's very, especially in hip hop. That's one of those genres where there's like this real propensity for people to pretend they're from New York or Atlanta or whatever. In the way, even in the way they do, they, they rap. Like, I mean, you listen to Rob's accent. I mean, I've, no, I've known Rob Crook's he was the singer of my first band when we were in grade seven. So I've known, I've known him for a very long time, but wow. like if I didn't know him, even listening to his voice, I would be like, this is a guy from the prairies and, and same with Pipskid and same with McEnroe, even though he's not in the prairies anymore. And all these guys, like there, there's a, there's a localness to what they do. And I think that that is something that, um, that's kind of what <laughs> it's funny to say that because it's kind of what the point of this podcast is about is trying to figure out what is Manitoba music. Cause it, there's, there's something I think that connects all of it, you know, whether it's punk rock or folk music or metal or hip hop, there's something local. And I, I have never in the eight years or whatever I've been doing this, been able to figure out what it is that makes something sound local. And I feel like your music has that too. There's whether it's, uh, you know, the stuff from, from 20 years ago or, or the more recent stuff too, there's something local in there in the, in the DNA of it. And I don't know what that is, but I, I like that. I like hearing bands that are, are being genuine about who they are and where they're from and, even if they don't say it overtly, it comes through in the music. Yeah. And Winnipeg is a really powerful flavor. Like it's, uh, 
it comes through whether you like it, whether you want it to or not, I think, um, unless you're like force forcefully denying it yeah, and, and, or, or like trying to, you know, write escapist music. I think it's hard to, to shed the, the cloak of Winnipeg. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's like a stink that hangs I, on you, right? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, it's like, I talk about this endlessly with a lot of close friends. It's, it's this love hate, right? We all, we all absolutely hate this place sometimes. But we don't embar- Well, yeah, we're embarrassed by it. We're, we're frustrated to no end. Like there's things about the city that is that just is disgusting. And like today I'm at my practice space for a little while down the street from my office for my day job mm-hmm. and across the street, you know, I've, I've been there a little bit the last three days. And there's a, there's a bus shack and there's people living in the bus shack. And there's yeah. a woman there who's got a baby who lives and they're, and they're in the bus shack, you know, and there's people in wheelchairs that are living in that bus shack. And like, that's, that's our town. Right. And, and so it's a weird place because on the one hand, there's this, there's this uh, horror and, and standing historic, you know, we, we won't have to go into just the colonization and everything else that's, you know that's who we are yeah. and so it's hard to really truly love the city but by the same token winnipeggers are funny because between us you and i can have this conversation and you're with me and you're not angry with me for saying these things because you know the experience but if if you and i are, are let's say drinking at a bar in toronto and somebody from toronto starts bad mouthing winnipeg yeah it's not gonna we'll, fly we'll yeah. throw down like yeah yeah we're no one can talk badly about the place outside of the place right and i think a lot of places are like that but winnipeg has a very very distinct um quality that makes it particularly interesting to me anyway like i'm not i'm not originally from here i've yeah. been here mo- most of my life by far you know since 1986 or something really so since i was a kid but um i i i find it to be a place that i can't leave i always end up coming back and it ends up as a musician or a songwriter, it's, it's a constant theme in all my songs because it's so fascinating and such a, such a strong flavor and so different than everywhere else in Canada. Yeah. I mean, every place is a bit like that in this, in this country, all the provinces are quite unique in some way, but Winnipeg has a, it's just has this dichotomy. That's like, you know, a bright side and a very dark side. That's, that's so vis- visible and, yeah. And visceral and like it's uh as an artist i think it's a really a great place to to be from well and i think maybe that uh, i agree with you for sure on all of that especially the toronto thing <laughs> the bar in toronto but um I, I think that maybe that that dark side is what i think that people who are are don't want to acknowledge that side i think their music is more disposable and, and their art whether it's paintings or, or, or film or music it, it just seems like anything else but when when someone can can openly acknowledge that yeah this is this is a great place but it's also a really horrible place and this is why and this is how we're as a community working to to fix things or here's a reflection on on what should have been done or what could be done i think that's when it seems genuine and that's when it seems like an honest representation and i think a lot of the artists we've talked about locally do that propaganda does that you do that pipskid definitely does that i mean that fermenter reptile album which is probably my favorite local, favorite Canadian rap album. Actually, I'll even bump it that high. Like it very much covers a lot of those issues, and it shows the ugly side with the good. And I think that yeah, that's that's sort of how you can tell something is is very like legitimately, genuinely Winnipeg is because it's it doesn't hide that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. 
And I, I think that the, 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 the difficulty or the challenge in this is to be able to make music that people, people can digest somehow while still staying true to the, to the impact that this place has on us. Yeah. And so I don't always get there myself. Sometimes, sometimes I'm so upset and so angry and I'll have a whole album. That's really just a reflection on, on where we live, you know, in some way. And I don't think it's as easy for people to, to kind of take it and run with that. And so I, you know, I think Pitt probably would say something similar. He may not care as much as I do, about something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but I think that's the, that's the challenge sometimes for me is like, I, I work in community development yeah. and that's my, that's my day job. And so I'm always like fighting to try to think of ways to make things better. Yeah. Right. So with my music, I feel like that's a tool for me in my life to try to leave the world a better place somehow, I guess. Right. And I feel some days as a, as like an executive director of a nonprofit that I'm way better off. I have a way better shot at making the world better through songs than I do, you know, running programs in the inner city. Like, yeah. But at the same time, um, when you try to do that, when you try to write songs and try to reach people somehow, um, the more you think about it, the, the probably the worse you're going to be at it. But um, if you don't try to be a little bit intentional about about that, I think that you can you can lose people pretty quick, or you can alienate people. And then that was something else too that I found difficult in, in kind of the hardcore scene is that yeah, there's not a lot of room there for for discussion. Like it's not as it's not as open to to just ideas and sharing and thinking and and trying to figure out a better a better way forward. It's just it's it's a lot more rigid. It's like totally if you if you draw a line in the sand, it's okay. You're already you're already screwed because in order to, to kind of find consensus, you have to you have to step over the line, and a lot of people are too afraid to to do that. Or it's it's a really that's a really challenging. Uh, moment for a lot of us so i guess as an artist that's something that i wrestle with too and and i think that's partly why this next album for me is going to be a lot a lot of fun because i think it kind of accomplishes that in a way that that i haven't always been able to do so yeah i I hope that i can i hope that i can live up to the hype
when are you uh when are you hoping to get this next album done by uh you know i'm i'm hoping i i like i've been thinking a lot about it and i've had this sort of dream my my whole adult life of recording at electrical audio in chicago okay yeah, and that's yeah, where yeah. so many of my favorite albums came out of there and i uh I'm, I'm gonna try to do it this time like i think i might just drive down and uh, maybe take rob and maybe see if my buddy Steve Bates will meet us there. So I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm really kind of dreaming, yeah. but I have the mater- I have all the material. I have so much to choose from. And uh, I'm hoping that I can get that recorded by the end of this year and then maybe released in the spring in time for, for hopefully a tour. Like I really yeah. miss touring and this whole pandemic stuff. It's just been, it's been such a, ch- I mean, you, you already know it's obviously it's such a challenge for all of us. So looking forward to getting back on the road with some, with some new songs and, and uh, I'm thinking probably spring of next year. Cool. Well, yeah, I saw something on, on your social media that you hadn't played a show since sometime in 2019. And obviously the pandemic has played a huge role in, in, in that happening. But that's got to be tough. I mean, I, it's got to be the longest break you've taken in a while, I would assume, right? Oh, yeah, like since I was in high school, probably. You know, <laughs> like I haven't I haven't gone this long without, without playing. Yeah, literally since 1993 or 94. So, oh, wow. yeah, it's a long time. Has that um, has that affected your ability to um, be positively or negatively your ability to write and to create? Just this idea that you, you your life has completely shifted, as has everyone's, from what it has been for so long. Yeah, I think it's been largely largely positive. You know, uh, I'm kind of a person who likes to be alone. I like I like spending time by myself. That's why I'm a solo act. I think. <laughs> You know, Rob and I, Rob, like, I'm really lucky with Rob. He's like a, he's like a brother now and we get along so well. And he, I started playing with him when he was 18 or 19. Oh, cool. And he's just such a good and malleable and, and, and honest and supportive guy that he puts up with me and knows me and is able to live with my idiosyncrasies in a way that I don't think anyone else really has been able to. And I, and like, likewise me with him, yeah. I think that he, he and I really mesh so um yeah i really miss that i really really miss playing and traveling with rob uh but by the same token i do enjoy being alone and i found that the pandemic was an opportunity to to just rethink a few things and to come back at this in a different way and um i have a few projects that i'm working on right now there's another a a band that i'm in called cherry cherry with my friend Haley primrose and we've taken a long break but we're getting together you know, tomorrow actually for okay. the first time in a while. And, uh, we both have a lot of like so many ideas and, and a kind of a very clear vision for what we want moving forward, which we didn't have when, when the pandemic hit. So I think that's a bit of a gift and, you know, it's been pretty negative on the financial front musically. And it's been a real dearth for a lot of us who get, who get so much from performance, but it's also a gift that it's so rare that we were forced to stay home, yeah, you know, yeah. Probably won't happen music. again. This might be the only time yeah. you know, this happens for the next 20, 30 years, hopefully, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hope I hope that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, you take from it what you can. I'm really, I'm a very privileged and fortunate person. So, ultimately, this didn't, it didn't hurt me. Yeah. Right? Like, it probably did a lot of people. So, I have to, I have to try to remember that too, that I'm, I'm lucky. But, yeah, it was, it was a great year. <laughs> well, I think that people are probably looking forward to hearing not just your your record but everyone's records because i know a lot of people have been 
writing at least, if not recording, if they haven't been able to get together with bandmates and things. So I think the next year or two, there's going to be just this massive uh, kind of dumping of local music, uh, music from everywhere. That's just just going to be we're going to be inundated, which is a great problem to have, I think. But it's uh, yeah, yeah. I hope it happens. It's like like the Roaring Twenties, you know. <laughs> it seemed it seemed like that was uh, at the end of a pandemic and in, in the same sort of circumstances, and it was such a creative time. So hopefully, it's going to be like that. I really, I mean, there's so many things that are negative in the world and and uh, seem daunting, but maybe that's breeding ground for some really hopeful and and um, you know, for for people to bring something new to the conversation and, yeah. and make maybe 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 help change things for the better too. What's I'm always hopeful. Yeah, no, they, yeah, yeah, you should be for sure. And I, I think that like that's what we need too is for people to be hopeful because everyone's been we've been seeing so much negative stuff happening, you know, around the world for for a number of years now. It just just in our, in our face all day. I mean, I work in in, in news as my day job, so I mean, I'm you know, uh, the pandemic has been nonstop, just like everything I write about is related to the pandemic. But I mean, even people who aren't doing that every day, they're, they're, it's, it's just all over everywhere. They're getting inundated from, from all angles. They can't see family. They can't go to shows. They can't do shows. So yeah, I think that we just, if everyone's hopefully positive, we can, we can make the most out of this because it's been such a weird, weird time. Yeah. And, and you know, music's supposed to be inspiring and challenging and, and take you somewhere different, right? It's supposed to be, I, th- I think it's supposed to be beautiful and whatever, yeah whatever um incarnation it, it takes it's it's art is supposed to be a reflection and a, and maybe a a way forward so yeah i'm i'm hoping you're right i'm sure you're i'm sure you're right and i think it's going to be a really special year for for a lot of artists what's the best way for people to check out your music at this point i mean i know you have a new record you're working on but you have this this deep catalog um that goes back decades now um i guess maybe a two part question here just to wrap it up is what would you suggest, like, if, if you, someone, you meet someone for the first time, they hear you play music, they've never heard you at all, do you have sort of a go-to album that you would direct them towards? And then the second part of that is, where do, where do people find your stuff at, in this dystopian future we live in where, you know, record stores aren't necessarily the, the main option anymore? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, the first half of that, I, I often tell people to listen to either this album called Mr. Invitation or to another one called Disintegration Blues. Yeah. And that depends on the person. Uh, I think that disintegration blues is maybe something that's a bit more digestible because it's got a variety of, of kind of styles on it. There's like some songwritery stuff that I'm proud of, but there's also some harder edge songs that are maybe a bit of a hint uh, at the figure walking stuff that comes later. Yeah. There's some fuzz, Mr. There's some fuzz on that record. Yeah. There's, you know, there's some super slow songs that I love and, I have a whole album worth of really slow, dark, heavy music that I want to put out eventually too. And that, I think Mr. Oh, sorry, disintegration has, has a bit of that on it, but yeah, Mr. Invitation too. I'm just really proud of it because um, I played with Steve Bates and with Jason Tate and Derek Hogue and Ryan Ahoff and Mike Germain um, for a long time, like probably for the better part of a decade to that point. And that album was, it was like, we finally made the album that we, we wanted to make together. It sounds like it was supposed to sound, you know? Cool. And that was my first album recording with Cam Lepke, who's kind of become, you know, one of my, my biggest collaborative partners. He's just a, a great friend and just such a talented uh, recording engineer and, and producer guy. And yeah, he's... Uh, 
that was our first album with Cam. And, and I think all my albums since then have been really with Cam. So that's generally where I, I send people are those two albums okay. um, or, or to obviously to the last one. Cause I always right, think that's, that's the most recent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. But yeah, I think to be fair, those two probably are a good snapshot. And then in order to get it, uh, yeah, I, my albums these days come out on disintegration records. So if you go to disintegration.ca, uh, there's a band camp. If you click on, um, you know, music store or whatever it is, yeah. you can get, get to our band camp and get our music digitally. And, and in some cases, uh, there's still physical copies. I'm actually doing this interview in my basement next to my, my wall of like all these boxes of CDs nice. and stuff. This is, yeah, I got the, like, that's the Rob Crooks box of cassettes there. <laughs> I put out a cassette or disintegration put out a cassette for rob uh just know that you're a rob yeah, Kirk's yeah. fan if yeah, you yeah. want if you're looking for a, of a cassette come see me but yeah we have i, I think i may need some. to see you with a bunch of the stuff in those boxes there <laughs> yeah, yeah that sounds good yeah, yeah. anytime but yeah disintegration.ca um beyond that like I, we're on streaming services like like everybody else there's a few albums that are still kind of unavailable and um there's a record called night flares that I, i'm not sure it's fully available but we just actually uh cam kind of surprised me with a remix of that album oh cool and yeah and it's i think it's infinitely better than the original so i think we're probably going to put that out at some point too but yeah disintegration.ca is, is likely the best place to look See things how you want. 